Hello, hello. Welcome back to Loki's Library. I am your librarian, Katrina. If you are new here, welcome. This is where I am reading through the enormous library of books you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and I tell you what I think about them. So if you like books and just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. Now, this book joined my library after you know, I don't remember if it was Gad Sad or if I heard her on Joe Rogan. I don't know. But it was author Ayan Hirsi Ali. Now, I had not read any of her books prior to this, so I started with her most recent release, which is Prey, Immigration, Islam, and the Erosion of Women's Rights. I have been making topical cocktails. There is unfortunately no good cocktail to go with this book. So since I didn't get to make the profit last week, because last week I made the warrior to go with Tecumseh, I'm going to go with The Prophet this week for a variety of reasons. First off, I think that Hersey Ali is a bit of a prophet using her own experiences to kind of see where Europe is heading. It's nothing good, hint. And also I'm a disrespectful little snot and the Loki loving little black heart inside of me thinks the double entendre is hilarious. So here we go. The Prophet is one and a half ounces of gin, three ounces of tart cherry juice, a half ounce of vanilla syrup, and three dashes of chocolate bitters with cinnamon for garnish. Let's do this. Introduction in part one of this book is called Unsafe Streets. And here is where Ion Hercielli kind of lays out the premise for her book and what she intends to prove. And then she does just that with biting accuracy and numbers so many numbers to back up her premise uh, and she uses just absolute facts and the facts is, that she uses are this oh, boy boy i can't talk today islam teaches men that women don't count that's it and when islamic immigrants meet european values of freedom and equality culture clash is detrimental to women's rights that's the kind of the premise of her book and she brutally pulls back those layers with every page. It's, it's brutal reading. Fascinating, but brutal. So now she's actually very clear in her words. She's very specific and she, she's very, no, this is not true of all immigrants and refugees. In fact, most of them are in fact looking for a better life. But as I learned reading Jordan Peterson, not, not the sequel not his his beyond order but his first one that the 12 rules for life if you one bad apple does in fact spoil the bunch all right and if you hire somebody thinking that everybody else is going to pull him up to standards that's not what happens what happens is everybody else's standards get lowered to the lowest common denominator right shit rolls downhill and that's kind of kind of but not quite what she's saying in here it's not a shit rolls downhill she's just pointing out very accurately that the immigrants who are not looking to integrate are seriously fucking it up for the ones who do. No, not true of all immigrants, but it's true of enough of them that the women in Europe, like European women, are actively starting to change their own patterns to avoid conflict. They're not going out at night. They're not jogging in the parks anymore. They're not celebrating or living life in response to a series of attacks as a result of immigrants, which attacks are not being punished by law enforcement, sometimes not even acknowledged by authorities. Um, New Year's Eve in 2015, or it might've been 2014 rolling into 2015, but it was, it was um, Sylvesternacht in Köln. There was an unprecedented number of sexual assaults that were reported to the police. And the police sometimes literally just looked away. They're like, well, we can't do anything to help you. Sorry. And I just, 
mind-boggling. The reason it's not being acknowledged and the reason it's not being punished is that people are so scared of being labeled racist by a media that is overwhelmingly controlled by the far left. And that's, that's their ticket. That's their card. That's the card they have to play, and they play it ad nauseum. And people are terrified of being labeled racist, especially in Germany, especially in Germany following World War II. And so for some fairly obvious reasons, a large number of this, these incidents occur in Germany because they have an enormous migrant population uh, and refugee population as a result of their desire to prove to the world that they are not racist. Isn't that disgusting? And on the extreme right, they'll take advantage of this lack of reporting, kind of stoke fear and push for even more stringent refugee and immigration guidelines that exclude those who legitimately need a safe place to be. So in the first part, she's laying out the statistics. She explains in detail how we got here and explains the problems with both the complete lack of acknowledgement on the left and the fear mongering on the right. And she does this uh, concisely with attention to detail that leaves no doubt of where she's going, but it just kind of, because all this is in the very first like 50 pages of the book and it's like, oh God, there's no way this is gonna end well. Let's see three ounces of tart cherry juice. And she includes a chapter on very specific incidents, like verified incidents. So, cause she also talks about how some were not verified at first. And so that far right took it off and said, oh my God, Islamics, you know, is Islamic immigrants attacked a woman in Spain and it ended up being Cuban like vacationers who did the damage. And so that lack of reporting is contributing to the hysteria and the lack of knowledge just in general. This is where responsible reporting has failed as much in Europe as it has failed here in the United States. There is no such thing as responsible journalism anymore. And the reason for these attacks has universally been, it's only a woman. And women are responding by voluntarily changing their own patterns. And that's sad. What's especially sad about this part is that the women who have been attacked are forced to defend themselves as not being racist while trying to seek justice. So that's the first angle of attack they take is, oh, well, are you a racist? What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Uh, it, so what? If she, even if she is what, she should be raped because she's racist? What the hell is wrong with you people? You people being a very broad general, anybody who thinks it's okay to rape a woman for any reason, is a disgusting human being and should probably be quarantined somewhere. She's focusing on Europe because this is where the bulk of the immigration is occurring, which makes sense. Right? Proximity to the immigrants seeking refuge makes Europe a likely landing place. But what's happening in Europe is what happens when you do not insist that immigrants conform to the land they are coming to. And when you allow them to create their own enclaves and you don't enforce the laws of your land upon them, allowing this disgraceful assaults to occur because that's how they were raised. And it's heartbreaking to read about these lived experiences of women who have been attacked, raped, murdered. And for comparison, she includes sections on other immigrant populations and how well they integrated, not just in Europe, but she, she goes through three dashes. I'm going to say, there we go. Sure. Three dashes of chocolate bitters. Why not? Chinese and Italian and Irish populations who came to America in the late 19th, early 20th century, and how well they immigrated, which is way better than the you know, refugee immigrants out of Africa have been doing to Europe. This is a shaken one, so give me a moment here. It's so cold. Okay, pour it into a glass. It's pink. That's awesome. 
and cinnamon now it's supposed to be grated or you're supposed to be freshly grated cinnamon i have cinnamon sticks what i don't have is a grater for it so i'm just gonna yeah it's probably a little more cinnamon than i should have had but whatever it's a subtle takeover uh, one story relates how a local coffee shop which used to be welcoming to all has slowly as the population in this district and i want to say it was in france but i might be wrong but this population in this district became more and more Muslim, it became a men's only location and women are greeted with open hostility if they go in there. And one woman wonders where the feminists are. If there were an all men's club in the United States like that, they would scream to high heaven. There would be lawsuits and the media would be all over this. But we hear resounding silence on the matter of a men's only coffee shop in predominantly Islamic neighborhoods. Uh, she relays the story of Sophie Peters, who did her master's film project on the daily harassment she experiences just walking around Brussels. Um, basically wearing a knee-length dress with boots, all she did was walk around and record the comments that were made to her. I mean, in the United States, you, you might maybe get a wolf whistle, maybe, when walking past a construction zone, and probably not even that anymore, because companies are so fearful of the highly litigious nature of the average American feminist that uh, that just doesn't happen. People, I mean, women claim it does, but uh, I don't know, maybe they're just not whistling at me. Maybe I'm no longer hot. I'm willing to own that. I'm, you know, huh. maybe I just don't appeal to the average American construction worker anymore. Oh, no, that's a happy place. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's happiness right there. I mean, things that were shattered are her. So the name of this film, if you want to look at it, was Femme de la Rue. It was filmed in 2012, and it's just some vile things. Um, things have not gotten better in the decades. She filmed that in 2012. The artist herself, when she made it, was accused of making right-wing propaganda. Part two of the book was fairly short. This is kind of where her CLE attacks the breakdown of European laws and, in general, our this breakdown is a definitive contributing factor to the problems that women are facing in Europe. And asylum laws as they exist in Europe are pretty straightforward, but rarely enforced. I mean, technically, refugees are required to seek asylum in the first country they enter the European Union through. Which would be the, the uh, border states, you know, Poland, um, Italy... I guess Spain. I don't know. I, I don't know what the borders of Europe are. I don't know which countries directly border the Mediterranean, but that's where they would be expected to seek asylum. What happens in reality is they enter Europe and then they head to Germany because they know that Germany is more likely to grant them asylum because Germany is trying to combat the after effects of World War II, you know, 80 years later. Oh my God, I have a new favorite drink. That's amazing. If asylum is not granted, the refugee has X number of days to leave the country. I, I don't remember what X was. It's in there. In reality, what happens is if they're denied asylum, the refugee goes underground and becomes an illegal immigrant at that point. Or they border hop to another EU nation and seek asylum there. All the while receiving benefits such as housing, medical care, stipend checks for foods from the country they are living in. I mean, basically everything the far right Americans fear we are providing for Mexican border hoppers, Europeans are actually providing to the refugees that are flooding their borders. Uh, Hersey Ali identifies the usual timeline of social breakdown at about 400 days. It is typically 400 days from the time asylum is denied to the point where a refugee begins committing violent acts against women. 
and the police are outclassed in every way. The refugees are coming from countries where any interaction with law enforcement can easily end with anything from a beating to a torture cell to actual death. So when the refugee interacts with law enforcement in Europe and walks away from the encounter with a caution for their behavior, instead of thinking, instead of thanking Allah or God or whoever that they are in a country where interactions are civilized by the rule of law, they look at law enforcement contemptuously and start to believe they don't have to follow the laws since law enforcement is so weak. And God help them if that law enforcement officer is a female. The other problem law enforcement faces is the matter of deportation. I mean, when they actually do try and convict somebody with a matter serious enough to require deportation, sometimes the country of origin refuses to repatriate them, won't take them back. And the EU finds itself in the position of paying billions of dollars to African nations to get them to accept their own refugees back. And by no means all of them, that's not even all of them. It's a handful of deportees might be repatriated at the cost of millions of euros. It's insane. I mean, fucking load their asses on a military transport and dump them in the middle of the desert. If they are that despicable that you don't want them in your country anymore, get them the hell out of there. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's rude. That's rude. People die that way. And I just, I don't think I have, I'm, I'm, I'm reacting to the book. I'm being reactionary here. That's impractical. It truly is for a variety of reasons. Because there's no saying you wouldn't dump them somewhere and within a day they've now set themselves as a little warlord or fiefdom and there's problems that can come from that. So then there are the laws themselves. I gotta stop reacting like that. Apparently this book had a much bigger impact on me than I intended because that rant was not in my script. It was just there. The laws themselves which make it illegal to deport somebody to a country where their lives might be in danger. And since most of the refugees are coming from war-torn nations like Iraq, Iran, and Syria, even when they do commit violent crimes in the EU, EU law prevents their deportation. And then there are the do-gooders who know nothing. All they hear is we're deporting somebody and they'll protest just because we're deporting somebody. Never mind that he's been found guilty of, say, raping a 10-year-old child. He's a refugee, Africa is bad, and so they'll protest the deportation. This is sick. In part three, Ayan Hirsi Ali explains some of the fundamental differences between Islam and the rights of women, starting with the modesty doctrine, which at its core means that women are always the property of men. When you are a child and before you are married, you are the property of your father. When you are married, you are the property of your husband. If you are divorced, you return to your father, and if you are widowed, you become the property of your husband's brother, who may or may not take you as an extra wife. Nice, huh? And if you don't belong to a man, then you're a whore. You're prey. You're available for whatever anybody wants to do with you. Which leads to the rape game. Seriously. That's what it's called. The rape game. The rape game is a thing among Islamists. No, again, not all Muslims. Okay? I'm not even sure. I mean, she repeats that fact multiple times throughout the book that it's not all Muslims. This is a very small subsect of the population, but it's enough to cause a problem. Probably for the relatively short attention spans of the political extremes, the far left who will dismiss her as a self-hating Muslim. And I'm not even sure if she is Muslim. I mean, she's undeniably a refugee herself. She, she, so she was undoubtedly raised Muslim. I don't know if she's still practicing. She escaped from Somalia in the 1990s, and that was not a pretty place to be. And then there's the far right who will simply read the word Muslim and kind of adopt this kill them all and that God sort them out mentality. Neither of those is a good place to be. Um, fundamentalists are fundamentally broken inside. And when you see 
half the world's population is nothing more than property, then you are the problem. That's the problem with fundamentalist Islam. The rape game is how journalist Lara Logan came to be assaulted, raped, and beaten within an inch of her life during the Arab Spring in Cairo's Tahrir Square in 2011. This chapter includes Lara's experience in her own words. It's horrifying. And the fact that even journalists in the West were blaming her for going there when you know what Islam is like is disgusting. But here's the thing. These are lived experiences of women in the Middle East and in heavily Islamic neighborhoods in Europe. Women who are not like Lara. Women who were the property of a man in some fashion, a wife, a daughter, a second or third wife. Women who are themselves Muslim and very modest, but they have the temerity or sometimes it's just the lack of options that have them walking unaccompanied outside. And that is enough to warrant sexual assault, just being outside and being a female, an unaccompanied female, unaccompanied by a man female, a man who is a relative female. That's how finite it is. Technically, I would theoretically be safe if I were to go to Egypt, provided my husband went with me and stayed by my side all the time, theoretically. In reality, I don't see me going there anytime soon because this book scared the shit out of me. I mean, yes, I would be staying in the strictly tourist areas, but Tahrir Square was an arguably a tourist area in 2011, and look how that turned out. And of course, once you're raped, it's your fault because men can't control themselves. At least Islamic men can't. They're not expected to because multiculturalism. Wait, that logic has been silently rejected in the West as long as the perpetrator is a white man. White men are expected to control themselves and... God, the miscarriage of justice that screams out from this book for the women who have been raped or assaulted and the perpetrator is either released entirely, ignored, or only minimally sentenced because of the difference in cultural norms is nauseating. And this book was horror story riveting. It just, oh my God, my heart aches for these women. And not just for the European women, because as soon as they sign the complaint, they're forced to defend themselves not racist. My heart aches for the for, for the Muslim women, the women who have no choice in this, and some of them who literally don't know that a better way exists because they're kept isolated. And spousal rape is still allowed under Islamic law, and it's, I mean, it's not in America. Spousal rape, you can go to jail, and I, I just, it's, it's disgusting, it's horrifying. And why has an integration happened? Well, Refugees have been pouring into Europe for 20 years now, yet rather than integrating to Europe's cultural norms, European women are being forced to relinquish their own rights and privileges in the name of safety. Put bluntly, the immigrants refuse to integrate. They refuse to learn new societal norms. They refuse to allow their women to work outside the house. They keep them pregnant so they can collect more welfare benefits for the children. And because the men see women as prey, when they encounter one in the workforce, they are at best disrespectful, which makes the men unemployable by European standards. And so the men are also receiving welfare benefits. And then they scream that the European countries are racist because they fire the men for assaulting women. No, not all refugees fit this mold, but enough do that the tension is becoming a very real thing in Europe, which leads to Europe's version of the alt-right winning elections. While in heavily Muslim communities, parallel societies are built that maintain the status quo. They actually have Sharia courts. Why? Why? There should not be Sharia courts. Everybody needs to fall under one law. 
That's the only way you get justice. My God. And while there are social programs in place to assist with integration, they're designed to fail. I mean, after all, if the immigrants integrate, the programs will no longer need to exist. And when was the last time any government anywhere voluntarily cut programs? One of the alarming things to come out of this failure to integrate are the grooming gangs. The Islamists who deliberately seek out young girls, uh, girls as young as 10 and 11, with the intention of pulling them into prostitution in the Islamic communities. I mean, thank God there are good people who are working to stop this. People like Prosecutor Nazir Afzal, who secured the first convictions for grooming gangs in the United Kingdom. And it became very hard to scream that he was racially motivated, that he was a racist, because Afzal himself is a Muslim, a practicing Muslim. But his moral compass points true north, so he was able to help obtain some justice and help change some laws so that the children did not children. All right, 10, 11, 12 years old. All right, they didn't have to testify. He was able to help change the law so that the mothers could testify on their behalf. There is a real propensity to blame the victim when the perpetrator is Muslim. And it has become the proverbial elephant in the room. And the accuser and the authorities are so scared of being called racist that the accused gets a pass. And so child brides are unfortunately common in refugee communities and not just in Europe. They exist here in the United States too. So don't even think this is a European problem. It's not. It's larger over there because of proximity to the refugee locations. Doesn't mean it can't happen here. And women, as a result, all women are being forcibly segregated in public places for their own protection. They have women-only swimming pools now. One reaction has been the populist reaction, that, that rise of the alt-right, which is not good. I mean, kill them all and let God sort them out mindset is in his own way as destructive as ignoring the problem. Because what happens when the far right reacts like that is the bulk of people who are in the center hear that and think, well, my, my buddy Mahmoud, my, my friend Layla, they're, they're good people, they're Muslim. They're totally respectful and they're integrated well. That's, that's not what Islam is like at all. So the alt-right must just be racist, ignoring some of the very real concerns they have. And so the right loses credibility for taking the response too far, much as the left loses credibility for not responding at all. But that same populist reaction will screech to high heaven when feminists condemn men, saying not all men engage in X. No, not all men do, and neither do all Muslims. But those same feminists are the ones who ignore the plight of women from the Middle Eastern countries in the name of multiculturalism. Uh, the final chapter is Ayan Hirsi Ali's recommendations for integration, which is a solid middle-of-the-road approach to the problem. Uh, starting with repealing the existing asylum framework, which makes entry as easy as getting to Europe. Like seriously, all you have to do is show up and you make it to the continent, you can claim asylum. In addition to raising the bar to entry a bit, you need to set a reasonable expectation that people will jump over that bar with enforceable penalties for failure. And anyone who is unwilling to embrace the laws and values of their new home should be deported. She, she says give them X length of time to leave the country. They already have X length of time and it's not happening. So I would just deport them right then. But I'm harsher. And I've never, I mean, I, I, aside from two months in Germany and two weeks in Norway when I was on vacation, I've never been to Europe. I've never lived there. She spent a significant chunk of her time living in the Netherlands. And she was a, a parliamentary member there. Netherlands? I think it was, I think it's Dutch parliament. So yeah, it'd be Netherlands. 
So her second point is to address the push factors, all right, those things that are leading, leading people to leave their home countries. Mostly their home countries suck. Seriously, they suck, I'm not gonna lie, all right, they're, they're war-torn, they have warlords everywhere, there's corruption that is absolutely endemic. Currently, the United States spends the most on defense, about 3.2% gross, nas gross national product, GMP. I think that's what she said. She, she had the numbers in there, and I'm pretty sure she updated them right before release. So we spend about 3.2% of our, our gross national product fighting wars in the Middle East. And of the member NATO states, only seven um, from Europe spend as much as 2%. Europe has outsourced its defense to us. You're welcome. Which is why they have these tremendous welfare states to allow so many refugees. So we have helped contribute to the problem. Just saying. So there's no easy solution there. But at the bare minimum, we should, should ensure that any aid that is sent is received by the intended recipients and not by the warlords in charge. Hand in hand with the push factor are the pull factors. Those severely bloated welfare states that... Europe offers a lot of incentive to come, but no incentive to integrate. There's hope though. Individual nations are implementing their own policies with tremendous results. So here's a quote from the book. Since 2018, migrants entering Austria have to sign an integration declaration committing them to meeting obligations if they want to receive government assistance and remain and maintain residential status in Austria. Failure to comply results in sanctions and you can actually lose your benefits if you're failing to integrate. And if after two years you are still not in compliance, then you're sent back to your home country. This has been most effective. Most effective. The integration includes such things as bodily autonomy for women. One class, and it was, it was a round circle class. There was no men over here, women over here. It was in a circle, men and women sitting together. They were talking about what it means to integrate and what culture is like in Europe. Everybody was talking, and during the class, one woman took her headscarf off. It's huge, huge recognizing that you don't have to wear that if you don't want to in Europe. There's hope. Some countries are like, yeah, this is a problem. We got to fix this. Can't force the EU to do it, but we can fix it within our own borders. A very logical next step is to reinstate the rule of law. You know, those laws that are supposed to apply to everybody. You do not restrict the freedoms of the innocent. You punish the guilty. And so for those who would scream about multiculturalism, I would say this. If they like things the way they were, why did they leave home and come to Europe? Things were not working in their country of origin. So why did they come to Europe? They must integrate to their new home, which means any violation of other people's rights will result in punishment, regardless of the cultural norms they grew up with. Um, listen to the successful immigrants. There are plenty of them out there. Ion Hersey Ali is one of them. The people who have done it, the ones who have integrated. Those who have come before, they've done it, they have good advice, they can help you. And finally, provide sex education to all children. And this is not as far out there as it seems. I know that, that sex ed here in the United States has gotten a bit dicey for political reasons. But she's not talking about that. She's not just talking about the bare mechanics of this is a penis, this is a vagina. She's talking about teaching them about bodily autonomy because not teaching them about bodily autonomy contributes to the sexual assaults as boys grow into men because they don't know. All they're taught at home is that women are property. So you teach them women are not property, women have a say in their own lives. Ion 
Hersey Ali ends with a note on Gilead. Yeah, Gilead from The Handmaid's Tale. The one the shrieking harpies of the left are so sure that white cis hetero males are determined to bring about in America without ever acknowledging that the state of Gilead already exists in Europe and the Islamic parallel societies that are burgeoning throughout Europe. Uh, this quote from the book hit me to my core, so I wanted to share it. Now, the section leading up to it, Hirsi Ali is addressing the fact that in the mid-20th century, throughout the 1960s and 70s, women in most of these Middle Eastern countries were free, or at least freer, all right? They, they did not have to wear the burqa or the niqab. They were able to dress in European fashions, and there are pictures of women from Egypt, Lebanon, Iran, in Egypt, Lebanon, and Iran, all dressed in the fashions of the day, living life. But with the rise of fundamentalism, they lost those freedoms. And we're talking in a 10 to 20 year span, blink of an eye, they were gone. And now they're forced to live shut away from the world. So the quote is this. Today, by contrast, feminists steeped in multicultural ideology excuse the inequality imposed upon women across the Muslim world including in the parallel societies of Europe. They pointedly respect this misogynistic culture rather than agitating for it to evolve. Western feminists have effectively relegated their Muslim sisters to the past. They are sleepwalking as their own rights begin to erode. I mean, so far, there are no easy answers to the predicament the EU finds it in, finds itself in, or rather there are. Hersey Ali provided them that whole chapter on how to correct integration. But it's going to require the center to rise up and demand the changes and fuck the people who would call them racist. Not literally. Just, you know, flip the finger. Austria did it. I mean, they got pushback when they implemented their integration policy in 2018. But they ignored the pushback. Boy, I gotta get some food in me. And so far, things are going very well. But overall, the problem has grown steadily worse in the last decade. And women are paying the price. I am anxious reading this book. I am worried about the future of the West when we cede our way of life, I mean, our absolute equality of the sexes under the false flags the intelligentsia have thrown up. I mean, never before in history, in any part of the world, have women held the rights and privileges they do now. And I know the communists like to say, oh, we were totally equal. Yeah, you were all equally free to starve to death in Russian gulags. That's a great choice. Um, I prefer to be free and um, not dead. So the ability to eat, to drink, and be merry are kind of fundamental ways of life that don't exist anywhere else. Uh, and those rights are being eroded and they're being ceded without a fight so that the woke can pretend to not be racist. The book was eye-opening and terrifying. It was, uh, like I said, horror story fascinating and a very fast read. I highly recommend this to anyone who's looking to understand the crisis that is occurring in Europe and understand just because America is not in direct proximity to those refugees does not mean that we can't experience the same problems. And we have. She even mentions, in addition to the child brides that are in the United States, she mentions the honor caring of Noor al-Maleki in Arizona. Her father killed her for, I don't know, being too American, not being Muslim enough. I don't know. It was an honor killing. He was insulted in some way by something she did or perceived to do. So yeah, it can happen in the United States. I think it's fitting to end this review with how she begins her book. This is a trigger warning for the entire book. 
reading it, you should be triggered. So triggered. This book infuriated me. But well worth the read. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.